Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of 1 Samuel, looking at 1 Samuel chapter 25, beginning in verse 1. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran, and there was a man in Ma'an whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name, and thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your sheep have been with us, and we did them no harm, and they missed nothing all the time that we were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we have come on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son David. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David, and then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers, and give it to men who come from I don't know where. So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword. And every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet our master, and he railed them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm, and we did not miss anything when we were in the fields as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us both by night and by day, all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know this, and consider what you should do. For harm is determined against our master and against all his house, and he's such a worthless man that no one can speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and 200 skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five shears of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young men, go on before me, behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey and came down under the cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missing of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David, and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. 
When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek to do evil by my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespasses of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living and in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she brought to him, and he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as a wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they told her, David has sent us to take you to him as his wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was at Galam. In the previous chapter, we saw David exercise great character. His conscience guided him to not kill Saul because he was God's anointed. But here in this chapter, when circumstances are different, David needs a woman named Abigail to snap him to his senses. David and his men had been out in the wilderness, but it was a feast day. And so 
he went to a man named Nabal, who was very wealthy, and hoped to be able to get provisions for a feast for his men. Nabal rejected that request, and David was offended and wanted to get him back. He wanted to teach him a lesson. Thankfully for David and everyone involved, Abigail heard about it before David was able to retaliate and spoke words of wisdom to him. She reminded him that if he was going to be king, he didn't need to have blood guilt on his hands, and that it was not up to him to save himself. That was God's job. This conversation between David and Abigail kind of captures the theme of most of the New Testament, that humanity was trying to save and rescue itself, but it needed help. And so God sent his son Jesus to save us so we could rest from trying to rescue ourselves. We could just follow him, his instruction and his example. And it seems to be a struggle that a lot of people still have, that they feel like they have to come up with a plan so that their life will turn out the way that they want it to turn out. And I think one of the big ways that we try to save ourselves or protect ourselves is exactly what Nabal does in this chapter. In order to save ourselves, we judge who's worthy of our time, our energy, and our resources and determine whether or not we have enough to give them, whether or not they're worthy to receive that from us. And there are times that we decide that it's not worth the risk to protect ourselves, to protect the way of life that we desire. We need to withhold things from others. The New Testament tells us we should practice hospitality because there have been people at times who entertained angels and weren't even aware of it. Hospitality is kind of a foundational concept in Christianity. It literally means kindness to strangers. If we're going to be a people who show hospitality, follow God's design for how we treat strangers, we have to forget about trying to make judgments on who's worthy or who's deserving of those resources that we have. We have to be willing to help anyone. When we meet someone who has a need, we shouldn't be asking ourselves, do they deserve it? We should be asking, is it helpful? Sometimes people ask for things that won't actually help them. They may actually need something completely different. And when we know that and can help them see that, that's appropriate. But we don't make our decision based on whether or not we think another human being deserves to be helped. Notice the difference in the response between Nabal and Abigail. When Nabal is told what the need is, his first questions are, who is this guy? Well, why does he deserve the things that I've accumulated for my workers? He couldn't think of a good reason why David deserved these things. But Abigail understood that her husband was just being harsh, that there were men who were in need, and they had actually already provided a service. And the text tells us that Abigail really went above and beyond in the provisions that she provided. But she understood what had been requested met a need, and so she was willing to do that. And we can't forget about David. David had actually shown hospitality to these herdsmen who were sharing the same space as him, and he had actually provided protection for them. But where David messes up is expecting a particular response to that hospitality. See, we'll never be able to totally control how others respond to us. But if we're only showing kindness to others to get something in return, even if it is gratitude or a pat on the back, we're doing it for the wrong motives. If we can see that we're being helpful to someone, we know that pleases God, and that should be satisfaction enough. 
So when we're extending hospitality to others, we have to make sure that we don't let others affect our attitude. Our attitudes are under our control. It's one of the few things we can control. We can't make people do what we want them to, but we can decide how we choose to respond to them. And if I make the kindness I show to others about me and the response I get, there's a good chance I could end up acting very foolishly, like David almost does. But God provides for David someone to speak up, to get his attention, to adjust his thinking. And God is willing to do the same things for us. God can keep us from acting foolishly when we don't get the response we think we deserve. But that all starts by not projecting onto others expectations that they'll never meet. Also, when we're extending hospitality, it's important for the people of God to avoid doing wrong. God is intending to use us for His purposes, and if we make bad decisions, make bad choices in the midst of that, it can hinder our effectiveness. Abigail has to remind David of this. If you're going to be a king someday, you need to present yourself in a particular way. There don't need to be any stories out there about you not exhibiting good character, about you seeking your own revenge and being guilty of the blood of another person. When we're showing hospitality to others, we need to check our own motives, make sure that they're genuine, that we're doing it for the right reasons, and then we need to make sure that we're not expecting anything in return. And certainly, if we don't receive that, it is not an excuse or a license to make the situation worse by making choices that go against God's will, retaliating against other people, trying to teach them a lesson, putting them in their place. It's God who protects us, and it's God who provides revenge or sets things right. We need to let him do those things. Because just like David, when all of God's promises for us are fulfilled, we don't want to be carrying around the burden of guilt. Another aspect of showing hospitality is being able to thank God for the people that he gives us, the people whom we serve, and the people that God provides to help us keep our attitudes in check. So often in life, we're determined to prove that we can do things on our own, that we don't need help. And so we reject guidance and instruction and advice from others. David does a good job of coming to his senses and realizing Abigail's right. But we also need to be grateful for the people whom we serve. There are opportunities for us to grow in our understanding of showing kindness and love to everyone. The more we practice it, the easier it gets the more we're aware of what's actually helpful and what ends up just being appeasement. So even though those opportunities may come at inconvenient times, we need to always be grateful for the opportunities we have to serve. And one other point about showing hospitality. When an opportunity presents itself, we need to be willing to listen. Too often, as soon as an opportunity presents itself, we make a snap judgment based on the approach of the person, the way they look, maybe the way they smell. We just don't like something about them, so we find some excuse to dismiss them and miss out on an opportunity to show hospitality. We've got to be willing to listen to the circumstance and the request that they have. Is this something that's going to be helpful? Use the discernment that God gives us about how to be helpful. We also need to listen to God about showing kindness to others and loving everyone, being willing to serve everyone, being humble. We need to be slow with our response until we have all the information. 
then we can make a good decision. I'm sure if Nabal had taken the time to slow himself down and think this through, come to understand exactly who David was, he might have had a very different reaction. He tells us he doesn't know David. He doesn't know that he's not some escaped slave. But if he had listened to his workers, he would have known the right thing to do. Remember, the workers said we would like to tell him, but we can't. He won't listen to us. We certainly don't need to just indulge people who are wanting things that can hurt themselves or be used to hurt others. But when there is a genuine need, we have an obligation as the children of God to show His kindness, His love, His hospitality. And the way we figure out whether or not we're doing that is to listen and get all the information that we can. God expects His children to show hospitality. To do that according to His will, we have to be willing to help anyone, not try to judge how deserving those people are, and not let them affect our attitudes. Throughout the experience, we should avoid doing wrong so that we can be our most effective. We need to be grateful for the opportunity that God presents us, and we need to be willing to listen to the people in need and to God to make sure that we're providing the thing that God wants us to an experience for those folks to experience grace and mercy. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.